1: Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, it's amazing. Of people who've been vaccinated, 0.003 percent, 0.003 percent have been hospitalized with this uh, Delta variant, Mr. Producer. In terms of deaths, Point zero 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 seven seven percent In other words, this is not a grave threat. I, You know, I talk to really smart people and they pretty much make the statement that the CDC director's making and so forth. But here's the thing. The reason I'm a skeptic with some of this is we've been through this now for over a year. I hear other experts say, why are we masking up? And what's this talk about lockdowns and so forth? And then when you look at the data, when you actually look at the stats and you put aside the opinions and you just look at it. 0.00077% of the 0. 0.003% who've been vaccinated, who get this Delta strain, Die. So you have a much better chance of being murdered in the streets of Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago this weekend, than you do of dying from the Delta variant. Moreover, I started the debate, and you hear it now, Lindsey Graham and others, it's important that the southern border is wide open by design, There are people pouring over the border who are dirt poor from the third world, who are not being tested, let alone vaccinated. They're being let into the country. They're not even being given court dates by the tens of thousands. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands are pouring over the border. And the administration can actually do a lockdown. It can lock down the border. If it wants to lock something down, it ought to lock down the border. That doesn't mean it'll be perfect, but it'll mean it'll be pretty damn good. But they won't. This is why people don't believe the Biden administration and all their doctors and scientists and so forth. Why doesn't the CDC director, or why doesn't Fauci, or why don't any of them, insist that we lock down the border? They want to lock something down? Don't lock down the American people. There is no justification for this. None. None. Now, what percentage of the people coming across the border have the original coronavirus? We don't know. What percentage have the Delta variant? We don't know, because most of them aren't being tested. Most of them aren't being tested. Most of them, the vast majority of them, haven't gotten a vaccine. So if you have hundreds of thousands of people coming into this country, over 2 million, they say, in the course of a 12-month period, and if some significant percentage of them have this virus or the variant of the virus, that's your spreader. That's a big deal. And then the CDC puts out a map of the most hard hit areas. And where are they? They're on the southern border for the most part Southern California, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, the southeastern states, Florida. And yet, that logic is ignored. And it's ignored by the medical community. They're busy talking about masks and you got to get vaccinated. Okay, fine. What about the spreader, the real spreader of people coming into the country who have these illnesses? And by the way, not just this illness, tuberculosis. So many of these illnesses are on the rise in this country now. So many of them. So if you had a president or a CDC director or an HHS secretary who actually was something more than a slip and fall trial lawyer who are talking sense saying, hey, look, we want you to get vaccinated. If you've been vaccinated, no, you don't need to wear the mask. If you haven't been vaccinated, we think you should wear the mask. Uh, And we're going to secure the border. We're going to build a wall. We're going to prevent people coming into this country illegally so we can make sure that there isn't a spreading situation going on. There, there's three points. I think most people would say, okay, right, Mr. Producer? Say, okay, makes sense. But that's not what we get. You're vaccinated, wear a mask. Wear a mask inside, wear a mask outside. Why? Because you can spread the Delta virus, okay? How many people are dying from the Delta virus? Not many. Oh, okay. What's the data? I just gave you some of the percentages of those who get it who are vaccinated. Use that as an argument to get vaccinated if you wish. But when you're giving illegal aliens, and earlier, when you're giving BLM and Antifa rioters a health pass, a health pass, when you're actually saying, when the CDC actually says that those activities in the streets where people weren't wearing masks and so forth and so on, that civil rights any quality or health issues too, you can't take them seriously. can't take them seriously. When they say landlords cannot evict tenants, the CDC, for health reasons, and if federal courts say, sorry, you don't have the power to do that, you're a health organization, and that same organization doesn't say, secure the border because people are coming across who are ill, we can't keep track of them, how are we supposed to take them seriously? Then there was a report out a month ago or so, something I questioned, I just wondered as a pedestrian, when you're wearing a mask all day, every day, let's say you're a doctor or you're a nurse, or even more, if you're a little kid and you're going to school and you're in school seven hours a day, lunch, recess, whatever, and most of the time you're wearing a mask and you're inhaling your own carbon dioxide, how can that not have some kind of a negative effect? And so a report came out and said it has a big negative effect. And everybody, ah, forget it. And they poo-poo it. Why? Because it undermines the idea that you ought to wear a mask all the time. Which was an idea early on that Fauci said, yeah, I mean, wearing a mask all the time could actually be deleterious. You have Fauci who's flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop. You have the CDC director who doesn't make sense most of the time. You have the... The uh, health and human services run by a slip and fall radical left-wing lawyer, not a health expert of any kind. You had the Biden campaign and the Harris campaign and the Democrat Party less than a year ago trying to tell people, don't be vaccinated, we can't trust Trump, we can't trust the administration. And now they hang on to these vaccines. Hang on, they They're begging people to take the vaccines they said they shouldn't trust a year ago. It's not just messaging that's the problem. That's a big problem. It's the logic that doesn't make sense often. And they're not the only experts, the people you see on TV. There's experts at Harvard and Stanford and Yale. There's experts all over the country. Johns Hopkins are raising similar questions that I'm raising or vice versa. So you have to look at your own life and make some decisions. Our decision was to get vaccinated. We trusted the Trump vaccines. You'll make your decision. My decision early on when Fauci was saying don't wear a mask was to wear a mask. Now I don't know why I should wear a mask. I'm vaccinated. Well, you could be a Delta spreader. Furthermore, the Delta spreading, when we look at the United Kingdom, as one expert pointed out the other day, more than one, they had a big spike in this Delta variant, which appears to come from India. But don't call it the India variant. Call it the Delta variant, because Delta means nothing. Oh, okay. The Delta variant. They had a spike for about three weeks, and then a big drop-off. And a big drop-off. But, Mark, that's not a... Scientific study? Oh, really? I'm looking for all these scientific studies. They don't really exist. But it's as close to a scientific study as you can get. I mean, you have, what, 70 million people in Great Britain? That's a pretty good uh, test number. Anyway, this is where we are. My recommendation is contact your own doctor, your own physician who you respect don't listen to TV doctors and all the rest of it you listen to your own doctor ask them what you should do your doctor knows all the specifics about your health whether or not you should be vaccinated and uh, about wearing masks and so forth if you trust your doctor ask your doctor because all the rest of this is, is really a lot of static I'll be right back
2: Love in.
1: You know, you hear more and more people say you don't have an individual right not to be vaccinated because you can affect other people. You can harm other people. Mandates. The federal government. The federal government has demonstrated time and again that it abuses its power. When it goes off. The constitutional limits, it abuses its power. And we also see that it uses its, its power in ways that advantage certain people and certain political entities versus others. We see it every day. January 6th versus the entire summer of violence, rioting, looting, arson, and maiming. So people don't trust the federal government, and they don't trust the media. They don't trust broadcast companies. They don't trust them. If the federal government and its surrogates and mouthpieces had a record of even-handedness, of accuracy, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. Russia collusion goes on for three years. Three years. And the other, the other arguments that the, that the Democrat Party, the media make... Then, when you look at the conduct of government over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, whether it's governors, whether it's mayors, whether it's so-called experts like Fauci, who's flailing around one excuse after another, people are very skeptical about these so-called experts and these demands. Many have lost their jobs. Many have lost their businesses. Many were told they couldn't go to church, a Supreme Court decision. More than once, the court had to step in to prevent Gavin Newsom from shutting down churches. The war on the cops, the purpose of which is to undermine the civil society. People aren't so ready to surrender their liberty, their body, their health as we genuflect to the latest bit of information in the latest directive. The American people are not sheep. Other people around the world are used to being sheep. The American people are not sheep. You explain things to them in a rational way, very reasonable people, they'll embrace it. But as you're bouncing around, making no sense, Mixed messages, the science is misstated or not stated, and on and on and on. The American people are also skeptical of power. And they also do not like individuals who trash them, like Joe Biden. If you don't listen to Joe Biden, you're a moron. You're stupid. Coming from Joe Biden, of all people. And yet Joe Biden's comments have been utterly contradictory. A year ago, it was Donald Trump who was up on that platform. And I noticed Donald Trump had medical experts with him. He knew he wasn't a medical expert, so he sought assistance. He got assistance, and the media mocked him day in and day out. They interrupted him. He was accused of killing people. The vaccines that he pushed... He, in warp speed, and produced, that this administration is pushing hard. That doctors are now pushing hard. The Democrat Party, the media, Biden in particular, they created skeptics. They created skeptics. So people are not going to just bend over backwards and do exactly what they're told. And if they're talking about a nationwide mandate? A nationwide mandate? Well, we have it for other diseases, you know. A nationwide mandate? It amazes me, and I'll bring this up. Others won't. We have Nancy Pelosi, for the first time in 45 years, the Democrats in the House and the Senate are demanding that the taxpayer fund all abortions of any kind. First time in 45 years. To a significant percentage of the American people, those are babies. Those are human beings. Imagine how we feel when we hear about 0.00077% of deaths of, of the vaccinated... From the delta variant and yet there's 99.99 percent death from abortion i'll be right back
0: this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014
1: clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world
0: The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877
1: The Department of Injustice is populated at its senior level, let alone the other levels, but especially the senior level with some of the most radical individuals to ever practice law. And they were all confirmed with the assistance of Republicans, one or more Republicans. And what the Department of Justice seems to think its job is is to defeat Republican legislatures, to stop governors from protecting their populations, to defending the violation of our nation's immigration laws, to defend the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus through the pouring of illegal immigrants into the country, and to continue its war against Donald Trump. And this department is headed by a man who the Democrats so desperately wanted to be on the United States Supreme Court, Merrick Garland. He is, in fact, a radical hack. You'll notice the Republicans don't really hammer this guy. They would hammer Republican attorneys general. They don't call for investigations. They don't call for impeachment. Nothing. The Democrats were calling for impeachment of Donald Trump before he became president of the United States. Kind of an odd thing, but nonetheless, they had the support of the corrupt media. You never hear about impeachment when it comes to Joe Biden, who has violated our Constitution in myriad ways, and the way these people rule over us with an iron fist. So as Scoop properly points out, you've got uh, Biden's hack attorney general warns the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, to immediately rescind his new executive order. As Reuters writes, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland yesterday warned Texas Governor Greg Abbott to immediately rescind a new executive order aimed at curbing the travel into the state of undocumented immigrants who may pose a risk of transmitting COVID nineteen. Notice all the PC language from Reuters. The order violates federal law in numerous respects, and Texas cannot lawfully enforce the executive order against any federal official or private parties. Working with the United States, Garland told Abbott in a letter. Now that's interesting. Don't we still have sanctuary cities and sanctuary estates, Mr. Producer, who defy federal immigration law and who are not challenged by this administration or this Department of Justice? You better believe we do. And these governors need to keep at it. And what they need to say, we'll see in court, we're going to fight you fools. Garland added that if Texas continues to implement the ground restrictions on migrants, then the Department of Justice will pursue all appropriate legal remedies. Oh, I'm scared. Oh. Garland's letter comes just a day after Abbott signed the order, which states that no person other than a federal, state, or local law enforcement official shall provide ground transportation to a group of migrants who have been detained by federal immigration officials for crossing the border. Isn't that controversial, America? The governor says, wait a minute. We don't want these uh, coyotes. We don't want these these phony charitable groups moving people. We can't keep track of them. They're not responsible for the well-being of the citizenry generally. And that offends the mores and values of Merrick Garland and his fellow uh, comrades over there at the United States Department of Injustice. No person other than a federal, state, or local law enforcement official shall provide ground transportation to a group of migrants who've been detained by federal immigration officials for crossing the border. It also directs... And by the way, there are a lot of great arguments a state can make. That the number one responsibility a state has is to its state citizens, their protection, their health, their welfare. It also directs the state's Department of Public Safety to stop any vehicle upon reasonable suspicion of a violation... Gives the department authority to reroute such a vehicle back to its point of origin or point of entry. Now, the governor of Texas is trying to enforce federal immigration law. We have a decision from the Supreme Court dating back to the days when Arizona was trying to enforce federal immigration law, a 5-4 decision written by Justice Anthony Kennedy, if memory serves. Basically saying uh, the federal government has plenary power, so states butt out. This is different. This is completely different. Because now we're talking about a direct health situation involving the people of Texas. You can make a general health argument. This is a specific health argument. The federal government is demanding that American citizens conduct themselves in such a way as to not spread this virus. That's the patina of their argument. No? No? Vaccinated people need to have masks inside and outside. Unvaccinated need to be vaccinated. Kids need to wear masks on and on and on. With a big exception by Garland and Biden and the other comrades, which is illegal immigrants. I don't think that'll fly. Abbott is trying to protect the citizens of his state. That's what he's trying to do. And if the federal government is not, he's not required to go along. And they ought to look at all the arguments made by these sanctuary cities and states and so forth, which harbor illegal aliens. But just to further point out what's going on at the Department of Injustice, here we have Georgia Punches Back National Review in spirited motion to dismiss Department of Justice Election Integrity Lawsuit. So you can see it's actually Merrick Garland and his happy band of comrades who are interfering with federalism, who are interfering with the authority of the states. Isaac Shore, the state of Georgia, filed a motion to dismiss the Department of Justice lawsuit aimed at its new much maligned. the pattern here is the outrageous rogueness and illegality of the Department of Justice. Much maligned election integrity law, SB202, calling the legal action a politicized intrusion into the state of Georgia's constitutional authority to regulate the time, place, and manner of its election. So, on the one hand, we have Garland interfering with Texas. Now we have him interfering with Georgia. And by the way, they've also made a threat to these states that are conducting audits of the past election where he's making another threat. So basically, Merrick Garland is the general counsel to the Democrat National Committee, as are the happy band of comrades at his department. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger concurred in a Friday interview with National Review that the left had an agenda that they were going to push regardless of what the state's legislature did. No matter what was passed, they were going to be against it, and the DOJ just, in effect, parroted what was already out there with the misinformation, the disinformation. What you saw is that Stacey Abrams and her allies, two weeks before the bill was even passed, bought Jim Crow 202, and they hadn't even finalized what the reading of the bill was. Now, Roffensperger and the motion itself alleged that the lawsuit fails to pass muster on a number of fronts, most crucially, the plaintiffs predict the law will prevent African-Americans and other racial minorities from voting, but the law has not been around long enough for any such result to materialize. The Department of Justice has talked about what's going to happen in the future, but Section 2 of the Civil Rights Act never talks about what could happen. It's based on actual results. There are no results. Section 2 of the Civil Rights Act reads, No voting qualification or prerequisite to voting or standard, practice or procedure shall be imposed or applied by any state or political subdivision in a manner which results in a denial or abridgment of the right of any citizen of the United States to vote on account of race or color. Well, we all know voter ID is intended to prevent people from voting because of their race. Meanwhile, these same people were talking about a vaccination passport. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, yeah. How will that affect people of color? You know... These bastards are busy implementing rules left and right, regulations left and right, march this way, walk that way, smile if I tell you to smile. And so here we have legislatures say uh, we need voter ID. Oh, that's obviously racist. Isn't the federal income tax racist? I mean, if having a voter ID is, is racist, if it's aimed at the poor and least educated among us, well, what about the Internal Revenue Code? where nobody can damn well understand a thing. No, no, of course not. Now The Supreme Court's ruling in Brunovich case, which saw an Arizona election law upheld, bolstered Georgia's case. Not only did even the dissenting justices in the case reject the idea the law could be struck down based on intent to discriminate, but they also upheld even stricter measures related to out-of-precinct voting that are included in the Georgia's law. This is a recent decision that the excellent Attorney General of of, uh, Arizona had brought to the court. Unlike Arizona, the Peach State does allow voters to cast their ballots away from their assigned polling place after 5 p.m. to accommodate special circumstances. Arizona is not the only state with more restrictive voting laws in the books than Georgia. So the motion to dismiss notes that Georgia provides more opportunities to vote than do several states run by Democrats like New York, New Jersey, Delaware, making the entire DOJ argument suspect under the totality of the circumstances, and it goes on. What this this underscores is that the Department of Justice is an utterly, completely political operation. And the media go along with it. That's all it is. A completely political operation. And I will underscore that further. That's two cases, two points. I have a third for you. I'll be right back.
2: Mark Lovin.
4: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
1: Man oh manishevich, do we have a great life, liberty and Levin on Sunday? 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Please don't miss it. I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to love the show. Now, I want to tell you about the uh, Hillsdale College. I know you love freedom. Now, how do I know? Because you're here. You can be somewhere else. Oh, yes, the guests, Jim Jordan and Professor Paul Kengor, one of the top experts on communism in the Cold War we're going to talk about this Americanized form of Marxism. It's interesting. I, uh, I had lunch at a place today uh, where a lot of good people go to this place. Mostly blue-collar people, but not exclusively. And But all patriots. And the gentleman who's one of the owners of the story is a great guy. And he has a lot of people come through there. And by the way, from all over the place. He said, Mark, I put a copy of American Marxism right up there by my cash register. You have no idea the impact this book is having. You have no idea how many people are talking about it. At least half the people that have come through since I put that book there have commented on it. And have praised it. We've never had that reaction to anything. I had a president of one of my favorite colleges. He went to a seminar some event last weekend with a whole bunch of so-called thinkers and so forth. And he sent me an email and he said, your book was the focus of a great deal of our attention and discussion. There you have blue-collar people. There you have sort of What do you call them? Intellectuals? And so I just wanted to mention this because of the impact you are having. The book is an inanimate object. If nobody cracks the cover, it doesn't mean anything. There's millions of books. But you're having an impact just by reading it. Those of you who are still a little skeptical or What's the big deal? It's a book. I want you to please go over to Amazon.com and read the comments. These are our fellow citizens. These are your colleagues. Your neighbors, co-workers, and the like. Thousands of them. Five stars. Why would somebody give five stars to a book? Why would they even bother? Why would they take the time to do it? book's only been out two and a half weeks. Well, you don't have to believe me. Read what they say. It's the old line, the proof is in the pudding. This evening and this weekend, many of you will be going to Walmart, Costco, Barnes & Noble. You'll be going to Sam's Club, BJ's, Books A Million, and so many of these other wonderful retail outlets. Target, the book is in all of them. If it's not, it's in the back. It's in all of them. It's highly discounted in all of them. Amazon.com has a significant inventory. They're not covering up anything. They're not trying to prevent you from getting it. It's next day delivery. If you get a chance, please take a look at it. You know you can take a look at it in these retail stores before you get it. But if you decide to get it, please read it. Share the contents with your neighbors, your friends. I feel this movement, it is building. We can't take the foot off the gas pedal. We can't do what the media want you and me to do, what the Washington establishment want us to do, which is we were all worked up there for a few weeks and now off we go. No, 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 no. Antifa is not going away. Black Lives Matter is not going away. The corrupt media not going away. The borders are still wide open. The war on your constitution proceeds. You see how corrupt the Department of Justice is and on and on and on. They never give up. At a minimum, we should inform each other and share information and discuss strategies and tactics. This is one of the most unique books you'll ever read. Certainly the most unique book I've ever written and the most important. So you can go to Amazon.com and order it. It'll show up tomorrow. If you're shopping tonight or tomorrow, it should be there. If it's not, somebody's hiding it in the back. Trust me, we're now in over a million copies in print. That's a lot. I have my own goal, what I think will make a huge difference in this country, the number of books I think that need to be out in circulation. This is the way I look at it. Information, knowledge, knowledge ideas, tactics, and circulation. We have great leaders out there. Many of them just don't know it yet. Many just don't know it yet. What do you want me to do there, Mr. Producer? All right. Pick a caller for me. Let's take a caller right out of the blue. Who shall I speak to? The great WBOB Drake in Jacksonville, Florida. Go right ahead. Quickly, please. Hey, this is uh, Drake
4: in Jacksonville. Um, I just want to say I trust Dr. Seuss more than I trust
0: Dr. Flip-Flop. There are some (laughs) great examples (laughs) like Tanzania.
4: Tanzania has 58 million people living there, and they only have 21 deaths. And they have 509 cases, and we can verify this through the world. I'm not an
1: expert on Tanzania, although I do like Tanzanite, which happens to be a, a gemstone. All right. We're going to send you a copy of the book. Sign. don't hang up. We'll be right back.
0: He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, where I left off was one more shoe dropping over there at the Department of Injustice. You know, in, uh, in corrupt third world or communist regimes, after an election, often a corrupt election, they try and hunt down the opposition and destroy the opposition. You see this throughout history, even modern history. In America, we don't do that sort of thing. We don't do that sort of thing in America. Uh, Excuse me, we do that sort of thing now. Since Donald Trump has left office, he's been impeached. He's been investigated by the District Attorney of New York, Manhattan, a Democrat hack. He's been investigated by the Attorney General of New York, a Democrat hack. And now the United States Department of Justice, with all the things it's supposed to be doing, has issued a memo from the Office of Legal Counsel directing the Treasury Department, which oversees, as you know, the Internal Revenue Service, to release Donald Trump's tax returns to a Democrat committee of Congress because the department said that uh, it may, in fact, be beneficial to the legislative process. Nobody believes that. Not even the Marxists who have demanded those tax returns. If you've ever doubted my use of the word American Marxism or the words American Marxism, every single day it has been demonstrated that it is correct. And so here we have a report. Let's see here. Department of Justice letter authored by the Department's Office of Legal Counsel. Now I know well the Office of Legal Counsel. It's an office that gives constitutional opinions to the attorney general and the administration generally. But it's still a political operation. The, attorney, the assistant attorney general and the deputy assistants are all political appointees. They're at SES, uh, the deputies, that's senior executive service, but on the political sc- side and, and the head of the agency is a presidential appointment. I'm quite familiar with the operation. You've had great people who've headed that office, William Rehnquist, Antonin Scalia, and then you have mental midgets like now. Now, it says that the committee's latest June 2021 request, June 2021, to obtain Trump's tax records states former President Trump's tax records could reveal hidden business entanglements raising tax law and other issues, including conflicts of interest, affecting proper execution of the former president's responsibilities. Okay, so let's stop. So we're going to do justice after the fact? Ex post facto, if you will? And of course, where do these tax returns go, America? They go to the Internal Revenue Service, right? And they can audit, and they can investigate, they can do civil actions and criminal acts, they can do all these things, but they haven't. So why are they doing this now? Because a Democrat head of the Office of Legal Counsel reports to a Democrat Attorney General is telling the Democrat Secretary of Treasury to release the president's tax records and direct the Democrat IRS commissioner to give those tax returns to the Democrats in the House of Representatives. You see how it works? Nobody's yet talked about impeaching Merrick Garland. No, 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 he's above reproach. Well, oh, he's, he's the best that there ever was. And that an independent examination, they say, of the president's documents might also show foreign financial influences. You see, might show this, might do that, might do this. Now, we had a Mueller investigation. They had access to everything they wanted, including the president's tax returns. Of course, doesn't matter. What they want to do is leak his tax returns. Congress and the public certainly have a compelling interest, they write, and. And knowing whether the president has accepted foreign emoluments or otherwise been influenced by foreign nations. First of all, he's the former president. And secondly, this is all bogus. This is all a pretext to leak his tax returns. It's shocking. This has been a two-year effort by the Democrats in the House. Now, Donald Trump is a private citizen. Private citizen. And this is still going on. His civil liberties have been abused like no president in American history. Attorney-client privilege, confidentiality, attorney-work product that apply to each one of us and the lawyers who we work with do not apply to Donald Trump. They do not apply. Secrecy of your tax returns, there's no evidence. There's not even a scintilla of evidence of any violations, let alone criminal violations, and you release them, to a political body because you claim they have a legislative interest and purpose? An ex-president? You impeach a president based on a letter to the Ukrainian president that was a perfectly fine letter twisting its words like the old KGB? You impeach a president who has already left the office? Because you claim he incited an insurrection when he didn't incite anything, let alone an insurrection? You have criminal investigations, tax returns, thanks to the Supreme Court. The Attorney General in New York who ran for office claiming she was going to take Trump out using the state criminal law. And now finally this from the Department of Justice. People wonder why we despise Washington, D.C.? Why we despise the media? There's really not a lot to wonder. Is there? No, there's not. I just wish we had some legal groups out there who would... Who would now demand copies of the tax returns of the Supreme Court justices. Who would demand copies of the tax returns of members of Congress. They only put out, you know, financial disclosure documents, which are very ambiguous. Of Chuck Schumer. Of Nancy Pelosi. They can ask for McConnell, too, as far as I'm concerned. I don't really care. I'm done done protecting these guys. But why shouldn't they be making their returns public based, at least in part, on exactly what the Office of Legal Counsel said? The public has a right to know. If there's any foreign entanglements, you can do the ifs and fill in the blanks till you're blue in the face. Can't you? The justices are ruling on these seminal decisions. We need their tax returns. These legislators are determining what our tax laws are going to look like. They are lobbied all the time. Don't we want their tax returns too? So some of these legal groups out there, they need to get busy. Now, any filing with the Department of Treasury is not going to work. Years ago, I tried that myself at Landmark. But you should make demands. You should make demands for their records. Republicans should make demands for their records, unless they have something to cover up, too. Some of them undoubtedly do. But let's start with the Chief Justice of the United States. And let's work our way through the, the Democrat justices on the Supreme Court who think this is such a swell idea. While we're at it, why don't we get the tax returns of the Attorney General of the United States and every one of the Biden appointees in the Department of Injustice. Why not? They have nothing to hide, I'm sure. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let me show you how this works, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, Mitch McConnell. Why I've always detested the man. I don't know him. I don't believe I've ever met him. But I've always detested him. There is a tweet that was put out by a guy by the name of Josh Holmes. Perhaps you've seen him on TV from time to time. Uh, he spent many of his years in his youth work, working for McConnell, including, I believe, as his chief of staff at one point. And he's very excited about an AP story that he saw. And he links to it, and he promotes it on Twitter, saying, this is about as comprehensive a takedown as I've ever read, my lord. So what the hell is this guy talking about? Brian Slodosky. Slodosky. An AP review of records from Herschel Walker's business and divorce, many not previously reported, detail accusations that he repeatedly threatened to kill his ex-wife, exaggerated success, and alarmed associates. APnews.com slash article slash left lifest. And you see, Josh Holmes a few days ago thought this was unbelievable. What a takedown. You see, Mitch McConnell doesn't want Herschel Walker running in the Georgia Republican primary to become a United States Senator. Because Mitch McConnell only likes one type of Republican one who will do what he says, and one is in the mold of, say, Gerald Ford or Susan Collins or Mitt Romney, or their ilk. Mitch McConnell has always viewed the Tea Party movement, the Reagan movement, conservatives, constitutionalists, as a pain in the ass. Now Mitch McConnell basically chose the two mannequins who ran in Georgia last time around, and they lost, and they should have won, and they lost, and who does he blame? He blames Donald Trump, because Mitch McConnell can never blame himself. Mitch McConnell's for Mitch McConnell, always has been. He's a man who's deeply unprincipled. That's why he voted with the other dwarfs. For the infrastructure bill. Oh, good, just in time. Rampant inflation? That's right, another trillion, and then Democrats around the corner, trillions more? So they're now out to take out Herschel Walker. Now last time I checked Herschel Walker was a black man. Right? But you see, the media only likes certain types of black people. If they're Republican, and they trash conservatives and Republicans like Michael Steele, they love him. And he's a one-man clown act. But if they're conservatives or constitutionalists or entrepreneurs or Republicans and really sharp and really stand out. Then they try to destroy them. Now, AP would never do this to Hunter Biden, would never do it to Joe Biden. We don't know anything about Pelosi and Schumer and the other commissars. No. They don't dig into Pelosi's big dumb husband and what he does. And never will. So now they're targeting Herschel Walker. And McConnell's guys. very excited about it. This is about as comprehensive a takedown as I've ever read. My Lord. And you're tweeting it. Why? Just in case nobody saw it. It's in the Associated Press. Now what it is, it's an inside game. To make sure people who may not look at AP stories and papers and so forth know that Josh Holmes really wants them to read it. This is why you despise McConnell and you despise the establishment. If Mitch McConnell had had his way, Ted Cruz would not be a senator. Mike Lee would not be a senator. Rand Paul would not be a senator. And by the way, Marco Rubio would not be a senator. And so many others And yet so many of them are the leading lights, aren't they, in the United States Senate? Wait, wait, we have Lisa Murkowski. She worked hard for her job. She inherited it from her father. Wait a minute, we have Capito of West Virginia. She worked hard for her job. She inherited that one from her father. Self-made inheritors. Here we have an African-American... But you can say whatever you want about him and trash the hell out of him because he's actually thinking of running in the Republican primary. Hasn't announced yet. So we got to destroy him in advance. Got to destroy him in advance. This is why McConnell and his ilk are so out of touch. Completely out of touch. President Trump had a relationship with many in the black community, the Latino community, McConnell has no relationship, none whatsoever. The Republican party cannot sustain itself as a potential majority party while it has people like McConnell and Thune, and people like that at the head of it. Cornyn, they appeal to nobody. Not even suburban women, they appeal to nobody. So I wanted to point this out. It's a perfect example. I've seen this happen over and over and over again. Mitch McConnell reaches into these primaries in other states, which he has no business doing. He made sure that one of the big Obama bills that passed increased his ability to raise funds for the National Republican Senatorial Committee tenfold. It was like a 30 some 1000 dollars limit per contribution. He increased it to over $300,000 to empower himself. Why do you think he's been the majority leader so long? I think he's the longest serving Republican majority leader either ever in modern times. And why? Is he a great thinker? Is he a great strategist? According to the Wall Street Journal editorial page, he is. But like I said, that's according to the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which is filled with doofuses. Or National Review. They're really taken by Mitch McConnell, you know. He's a real Buckley, a real Goldwater, that Mitch McConnell. Well, listen, he stopped this judge, he stopped that judge. Any competent, principled, constitutionalist leading the Republican Party would. Any of them. That's not exceptional. Not in that position. But they don't know how to message guys like McConnell. You know what's interesting about McConnell? He won't go on conservative radio. Well, one guy he'll go on, but he won't go on most conservative radio or conservative, even conservative shows on Fox. Even though he has his buddy Paul Ryan at Fox. He won't go. He'll never come on my show. But he won't go on any conservative show. I haven't seen him on Sean's show or Tucker's show. I don't know about Ingram. Honestly, I don't stay up long enough to watch it, but I don't know. All right. I want to dig into something after the bottom of the hour. I'll be right back.
3: The Mark Levin Show, live and national
0: at 877-381-3811. I really
1: enjoy getting into some of this heavy stuff and trying to explain it in plain English so we can all get our heads around what's taking place in America. And so I thought it was about time to get a little bit more particularized into the so-called scholarship of critical race theory. And those of you who have the book, you're always asking, well, where is it? We want to follow along. Starting on page 89 but I also talk about it. I'm not just going to read from it. You've heard me talk about Herbert Marcuse. In his 1964 book, One Dimensional Man, which had an enormous impact on the new left, weather underground, and domestic terrorists of that sort, they considered him their founding father. Marcuse, who's a professor, he's a Marxist, He's an immigrant from Berlin. He urges the expansion of Marxist ideology and revolution to include racial and ethnic groups back in 1964. He writes, Underneath the conservative popular base is the substratum of the outcasts and outsiders, the exploited and persecuted of other races and other colors, the unemployed and the unemployable, They exist outside the democratic process. Their life is the most immediate and the most real need for ending intolerable conditions and institutions. Thus, their opposition is revolutionary, even if their consciousness is not. In other words, they may not know what the hell they're doing, but it's good that they're doing it. Their opposition hits the system from without and is therefore not deflected by the system. It is an elementary force which violates the rules of the game, and in doing so reveals it is a rigged game. When they get together and go out into the streets without arms, without protection, in order to ask for the most primitive civil rights, they know that they face dogs, stones, bombs, jail, concentration camps, even death. Their force forces behind every political demonstration for the victims of law and order. The fact which marks the beginning of the end of a period, So Marcuse and other Marxists spawned critical race theory and a seemingly endless list of disgruntled, ideologically driven groups. Discrimination is based on race, ethnicity, gender, sexual preference, economics, and a potential myriad of other diverse human characteristics, qualities, preferences, and circumstances. In fact... Often, individuals and groups are said to be victims of more than one kind of discrimination. They call that intersectionality, which we don't need to go into here. Critical race theory undermines and exploits America's unique and very successful fusion of diversity and cultural assimilation and considers all issues in the context of past societal imperfections. Regardless of enormous struggles, this is me, of course, writing, And efforts in creating a more perfect society, including a civil war, massive economic redistribution, and groundbreaking legal changes. Even more, it incorporates and advances an increasing list of causes as new or additional reasons for eradicating society and transforming the country. Indeed, critical race theory repositions what is the most tolerant and beneficent society on earth as a miserably dark and impoverished nation from its beginning to today. Among the most widely read books on critical race theory is, unsurprisingly, a book called Critical Race Theory. The authors are iconic Marxists, Professors Richard Delgado and his wife, Jean Stefancic. Both teach law, believe it or not, at the University of Alabama. They say that the movement is a collection, I quote, of activists and scholars engaged in studying and transforming the relationship among race, racism, and power. The movement considers many of the same issues that conventional civil rights and ethics studies discourses take up, but places them in a broader perspective. And they go on. But like Karl Marx, the CRT movement openly disdains and rejects mankind's progress over the centuries, if not several millennia. Which serve as the underpinning of American society and other advanced societies, as well as racial progress made in our country, which is dismissed as an improvement by, for, and of the white privileged. By rejecting equality theory, they say, legal reasoning, enlightenment nationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law, quote unquote, critical race theory is said to reveal itself as a radical dogma, but it's a fanatical cause led by true believers. A radical cause led by true believers. Now there's more, of course. The late Derek Bell, very important, a Harvard Law professor, is considered by some to be the founding father of modern critical race theory. Thomas knew Bell, also had little regard for him or his ideological movement, so believed Bell was not competent to teach at Harvard and earlier Stanford Law School, and he denounced Bell for demanding not only that people be hired by race, but that they be hired to fit Derek Bell's ideology. Indeed, it appears Bell's personal setbacks and criticisms from colleagues and students alike affected his view of life and victimization. Now, in his 1992 book, Inside American Education, The Decline and Deception of the Dogmas, Saul writes a bell that he argued that direct action is more effective than law, that reform requires confrontation, which cannot be intellectualized. While admitting that few minority scholars have national reputations or are frequently published in major law review, uh, reviews, Bell attributed this to whites' exclusion of them. Blacks with a different outlook are dismissed by Bell as people who merely look black, but think white. Now, I've explained this several times. So if you're not a Marxist, you're not down for the revolution, and you're not a racist, well then, you may look black, but you think white. Now, this is very important. This is the pull paragraph. Bell was critical of most civil rights advances that had come before, including the Civil Rights Acts and the Supreme Court decisions, such as Brown versus Board of Education, and the ideas of colorblindness, merit, and equal protection, the issues that Martin Luther King fought and died for. Bell argued that they serve the interests of the white elite by masking ongoing and interminable racism. He called it interest convergence dilemma. For Bell and his adherents, there can be no neutral law, decisions, or actions, as they're all affected by the white dominant culture and white privilege. So as with Marx, therefore, the societal slate must be wiped clean must be wiped clean. Bell wrote, it's our hope that scholarly resistance will lay the groundwork for wide-scale resistance. We believe that standards and institutions created by and fortifying white power ought to be resisted. This is what your children are being taught. Decontextualization, in our view, he writes, too often masks unregulated, even unrecognized power. We insist That abstraction, put forth as rational or objective truth, smuggles and what he's talking about there is the Declaration of Independence. It's an abstraction. Smuggles the privileged choice of the privileged to depersonify their claims and so forth. And of course, any negative critique of Bell's righteous cause was met with the charge of both white arrogance and white ignorance. So no criticism of Bell or critical race theory is said to be legitimate. In fact, It's evidence of the very systemic racism of which Bell complains. Yes, Bell wrote, Comparing critical race theory writing with the spirituals, that means the ancients, that means Judeo-Christian writings and so forth, is an unjustified conceit, but the essence of both is quite similar. To communicate understanding and reassurance to needy souls trapped in a hostile world. And he goes on, anyway... I spent a lot of time not just quoting him, but explaining him. So it ultimately won't be too complicated or overly uh, scholarly. But these are critical individuals, communists, Marxists, who are the founding fathers of and the proponents of this critical race theory. And I spent a lot of time in the book on it, pointing to certain scholars certain great thinkers' heritage and elsewhere, uh, my own assessment of it. And, um, uh, And again, that's just one little, little piece of American Marxism to prove, number one, that yes, these are American Marxists. Number two, yes, this is an Americanized form, these movements of various Marxist movements, and that we need to be well aware of exactly who they are. I'll be right back. Much love, in It's amazing. Many of you who who read it or are reading the book, you can. T- I have hit almost nothing. There's so much in there that I think is important. It's very difficult to prioritize it, and um, and one chapter flows to the next. That's why I write these books the way that I do. Um, so there's one's a building block to the next, to the next, to the next. So uh, I don't want anybody out there who's listening to get the wrong impression if you do not have it, uh, but this is a fairly comprehensive book that encompasses a great deal of what's taking place because I wanted to embrace that, figure it out, Unravel it, put it back together, and then, uh, and then confront it with strategies and, uh, and tactics, which is what I've done. There seems to be a little bit of confusion out there, and I'm here always to shoot straight with you, my audience. But I'm afraid that's not the case with everybody. And why I have to be the hall monitor and the sergeant arms, I don't know, Mr. Producer, but I guess so. Here's a fact, because people are telling me that people are saying other things. The radio host with the largest audience is Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity has the largest radio host since the Great Rush passed away. The radio host with the second biggest audience, this is just fact, is this show. The Mark Levin Show. When Rush was here, he was number one. Sean was number two. I was number three. There's no disputing this. doesn't matter what some magazine says. It doesn't matter what some of these hosts say. Rather self-serving, I might add. The rush slot has been broken into different slots by different companies. So it can never be as big as it was because the fusion of these various companies doesn't, doesn't fully exist. It exists to some extent. That doesn't mean these hosts are bad. Many of them are really, really good. My buddy Dan Bongino is an example. There's others. That's not my point. That's not my point. My point is, it's important to be truthful with your audience. I didn't say my audience is the biggest. I said Sean Hannity's is the biggest because it's the truth. I will say this for a program on the West Coast that's at 3 p.m., but particularly on the East Coast that starts at 6 p.m., there's never been a show like this, a nationally syndicated show that's had such a massive audience in this time slot. Never. And again, that's not because of me, that's because of you. I could be the greatest host on the planet, but if you're not going to participate, it doesn't much matter. I might as well look in the mirror and talk to myself, you know, like Chuck Schumer. But I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know why I have to be the hall monitor. I suppose I don't, but I'll tell you what it is. I don't want you folks to be misled. Period. Rush taught me a lot of things. He was a great, great man. And I think he was the greatest radio host ever. Ever. One thing he banged into my head, it didn't take much, was never disrespect your audience. Never disrespect your audience. Shoot straight with them. And I've never disrespected you. I always shoot straight with you. And I don't mislead you about things such, oh, I have the biggest audience. With me. I don't. It's massive. It's number two. It's in a strange time slot. But it's not. Sean's is. So if you hear it differently from anybody else, it's just not true. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Again, there's many, many great hosts, and I want to thank all the hosts in radio who've been so kind to me and have had me on their programs over the course of the last, what is it now, three weeks? And I want to thank the hosts on Fox who've done exactly the same thing, and others who didn't, You're lost, not mine. Thank you. I'll be right back. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one. We have the great Dr. Siegel on the program. Um, he'll be coming on, uh, I believe, at about 820. Mark Siegel, a good friend of the program, good friend of mine, helped walk us through some of this. Well, I don't know what to call it. It's just kind of crazy. It's certainly unclear. It's not clear what they want us to do. It's not clear we should do it, depending on what it is that they want us to do. Anyway. How would you like to hear some positive leaders? I mean, I've got a list of the usual, uh, you know, street thugs and so forth. But how about the enlightened leaders? Like the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. And he's at a press conference today. I'll bet they didn't show this on most of your television stations. Hat tip, right scoop, cut one, go. Go.
5: I think that this decision about whether parents want their kids to have to wear masks all day in school, I think that's a decision that falls squarely within the contours of this Parents' Bill of Rights that I signed. And so
1: so this guy is like on the leading edge all the time. Parents' Bill of Rights. He is just out there, man. He is poking holes in the, in the left and these movements. He's just he's a remarkable governor. Go ahead.
5: And so, accordingly, uh, uh, very soon I'll be signing an executive order uh, which directs the Florida Department of Education and Department of Health uh, to issue uh, emergency rules protecting the rights of parents uh, to make this decision about wearing masks for their for their children. Uh, we think that that's the most fair way to do it. You know, I like I have young kids. We're, my wife and I are not going to do the Mass with the kids. We never have. We want, I want to see my kids smiling. I want them having fun. And I don't know. I mean, look, my kids are a little younger, but I can tell you, whatever you think of Mass, you got to wear it properly. My kids ain't going to wear that thing properly. We know
1: that. Mm-hmm. And what is this about Mass with kids in elementary school? That's the NEA and the AFT. And you see, there's so much of politics from the left that is laced in all these so-called medical decisions. This is one of the reasons why they create so much skepticism, and much of which is deserved. Again, you have to make decisions based on the best medical advice you can get from your own doctor. That's my advice. Ted Cruz on the floor yesterday... When the mass mandates, Nancy Eva Pelosi, who's probably the most uh, fascistic speaker we've ever had. May I say that, Mr. Producer? I think I will. Cut to go.
4: If you want to understand how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, look no further than the other chamber in the United States Capitol. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is drunk on power. The orders that Speaker Pelosi is issuing are abusive and unprecedented. Speaker Pelosi has decreed to members of the House of Representatives elected by the people that if you dare walk onto the floor of the House of Representatives without a mask, I, Speaker Pelosi, shall fine you. Who the hell is she to be fining members of the House?
1: Cut three, go. Go.
4: But you know what, she's not done with that. She's not done with disrespecting our Constitution, disrespecting our democratic system that elects leaders. She goes further to the good men and women who work here in the United States Capitol. We are surrounded by men and women who have chosen to come and work for the public good. And here's what Speaker Pelosi has decreed. If you dare walk in the hallway without a mask, I, Speaker Pelosi, will arrest you. I will put you in jail. I will fine you. That is an absolute and complete abuse of power. She has no authority to disrespect the men and women who work here to threaten you with physical harm, to threaten you with imprisonment. And why does Mm -hmm. she do so? She does so for one reason, political theater.
1: Yep. Now, April 29, 2021, my calculation just three months ago, Nancy Pelosi had a little bit of a different take on this. Cut four, go. We are.
2: We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. I can't go to the Capitol physician and say, give me the names of people who aren't vaccinated so I can go encourage them to, or make it known to others to encourage them to be vaccinated. Uh, so we can't we can't do that.
1: Mm. And yet, did you know it's difficult, according to one member of Congress, for black women to get the vaccination? Representative Cory Bush. She's about as horrific as any member of the house could possibly be a member of black lives matter, just a, uh, a walking, talking, uh, buffoon, an extraordinary buffoon cut six go. Um,
0: but they should have to wear a mask if they're not going to get um, vaccinated then they should have to wear a mask. Um, okay. these are representatives. I mean, I think that they should, you know, they should care enough to go ahead and get the
2: vaccine.
1: Really? And did you think the rioters black lives matter and Antifa that they should have worn masks, too, ma'am? Do you? No, of course you don't. That's different. Illegal answer? No, of course you don't. No. Go ahead.
0: I did. And as a black woman, it was very difficult for me, but I went on ahead and did
1: it. No, why was it difficult for a black woman to get vaccinated? I don't understand. Is it a, uh, is it a doctrinal thing? And if so, why so? I thought the problem was Trump supporters, no? At least what I thought. I thought that's what they said at one point. Go ahead.
4: And that's what my communities need. And
0: leaders lead from the front. So lead, get the vaccination.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you. Did you say that a year ago? Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. Then we have uh, the great Don Lemon. On CNN yesterday, none of you heard this. Nobody did. Nobody watches it. So I thought I'd sort of play with this. Cut, seven, go.
3: You've got to start telling people if you don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this office or this place of business. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come to work. If you don't
5: get vaccinated, you can't come into this. If you don't gym. get
1: vaccinated, you can't come across the border. How about that one, Donnie? Donnie, are you there? Donnie, can you explain this to us? Or do we need Anna Navarro to tell us? So Donnie, Donnie has his little marxist thing going on there. You don't get vaccinated, yeah, you know, we're going to we're, we're going to basically BDS you as an individual. That's right. Go ahead. If you
3: don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this get onto this airplane. It it, it has nothing to do with freedom. There's nothing to do with liberty.
1: Oh. Nothing to do with freedom and liberty? Choice only comes when you're aborting a baby, not when you decide you're going to get vaccinated okay let me ask you a question why are you lecturing people other than telling people that you've got vaccinated you think it's a good idea and you should go see your doctor and get your doctor's input who the hell are you you're not even a good journalist you're a fraud you're like some guy on the street just yelling at the top of his lungs on a soapbox what do we care what donnie lemon has to say go ahead Freedom and the liberty. Ah, shut up. I just said. Why do we care what you have to say? And we don't. Finally, one of the few real reporters at the, uh, in the White House, Peter Ducey, to Corinne Jean Perry, I think is how you pronounce it. She's the deputy White House press secretary. Go.
0: And some of the preliminary stuff we've seen from the CDC says this new guidance for vaccinated people to mask up is based on data from people who got sick partying in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Has the White House seen any proof that COVID is spreading, vaccinated people are spreading COVID, uh, who are not going to big parties? Here's what we, we know, and I'm just going to repeat again. We need to get people vaccinated. That That is really the answer here that is what we're seeing from c that's what we're hearing from cdc that's what we're even seeing from these slides is that people need to get vaccinated that is how we fight the delta the delta variant that is how we fight
1: COVID. she didn't really answer his answer asked his uh, question did she you got to start telling people excuse me wrong liberal he says some of the preliminary stuff we've seen. CDC says a new guideline for vaccinated people to mask up is based on data from people who got sick. and, And she just says, no, we got people to do this, that, and the other. But again, if you ask about illegal aliens, people coming in across the border, it's of no consequence. And he did ask them that yesterday, and he got more gibberish and static. Dr. Mark Siegel is about to be on the program, and we'll be right back. Mark Levin. Mark Siegel, how are you, sir?
3: I'm great. Great to be on with you, Mark.
1: Well, my friend, when we need a little clarity, you're the man I want to come to. First of all, I don't give people medical advice. I tell them to go talk to their doctor. I've been vaccinated, and um, people can get information from their doctor who they trust. And uh, I don't really trust people on TV who keep giving all kinds of advice and so forth. They don't know me, and they've often been wrong, and a lot of them aren't even doctors. So there's a lot of static out there. There's a lot of confusion. Now, Dr. Siegel, a lot of it's coming from the government, is it not?
3: What's new? What, what do you know? Yeah, that, exactly. Confusion coming from the government. Government trying to control us through fear. Is that something new? your book. Or was I writing book? about that 15 Yeah, I've been writing about that for 15 years. It's really enhanced right now, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean... Did they release enough data today to explain much? I mean, what I saw is that vaccinated people who get this Delta variant may get sick, but they really have no threat of death. I mean, it's more likely that if you walk down some streets this weekend, depending on the city, you're going to get killed. I mean, it's really quite remarkable how few people who've been vaccinated are really affected in any significant way by this Delta variant, they call it.
3: Every word of what you just said is true. I have to start with the idea that if you walk down a city, which has been locked down forever, you're more likely to get attacked by a rat or bang into some garbage yeah, <laughs> or killed true. Than, than, than to get us. But the, yes, the, but there's many much more breakthrough infections than they thought, but they're almost entirely mild. The vast majority, almost all of them are mild. You know, kind of like a cold, an ex- exaggerated cold, and you get over it. Or nothing. You may not get sick at all, but most of the time, very, very mild, if you're fully vaccinated. The mask issue is essentially to a, to protect people who are unvaccinated, though they're not saying that. You want clarity? You want to know why you have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated? Because the guy next to you might not be vaccinated. Oh, well, let me
1: crazy. ask you about that. Let me ask you about that. I'm trying to follow this. But it's not. it's not only vaccinated people who get the Delta strain, right? It can be unvaccinated people who can get the, the Delta variant, correct?
3: Yeah, the vast majority of people that are getting the Delta variant are the unvaccinated, and the, almost all of the people who are getting sick or getting hospitalized, hospitalizations are up.
1: All right, well, let me, uh, let me stop you. I'm just trying to do this logically. So if every... <laughs> What I'm saying is if you're not vaccinated, maybe you'll get it from a vaccinated person, but you're likely to just as easily get it from an unvaccinated person, correct?
3: Much more likely to get it from an unvaccinated person than from a vaccinated
1: one. So why don't we pretty much leave vaccinated people alone, tell vaccinated, unvaccinated people, here's your situation, if this is how you choose to conduct yourself. Vaccinated people are going to live. Some of them might get sick, but not sick in some way that we saw a year ago and so forth. That's why I think this gets so damn confusing. Unvaccinated people can, can pass it on. Okay, I got it. And if I have a flu shot and I get the flu, I can pass that on too.
3: Yeah, and I would add the word recommendation. The problem with the government now is, is they're all sounding like the high school principal all the time. But if if you were, if you I were to say to you, hey, look, if you're in a close area where there's a ton of people that may be carrying COVID and you want to slap on a mask, I'm, I'm all for it. That's very different than the way it's, this is being said. I think vaccinated people should be left alone. I think you're right. I think vaccinated people are protected by the vaccine. And every time we try to undermine that. We, we send a confused message. The government sends a confused message. Leave the 50% alone, please. Leave right. that 50% alone. Half the country. Leave them alone.
1: Now, children, I haven't heard a single expert, put the politics aside, say there's data to demonstrate that a 7-year-old kid going to elementary school should wear a mask. I haven't heard a single expert say that makes any scientific sense. Does it make any scientific sense?
3: It makes very little because there was only 1% spread from kids who had COVID in schools last year. The only thing that they're overreacting to or reacting to is that they saw some outbreaks in schools over the summer. But the masks have not been proven to be a factor here. I think there's more of an issue with masks causing anxiety, masks causing performance anxiety, masks interfering with socialization, maybe even with breathing rashes. All that has to be brought into the picture here. How much does masks do good? It does some good, but probably not enough in most cases, especially when you go down to the level of a two-year-old. And whatever happened, by the way, talk about moving the goalposts. Whatever happened to the focus on protecting our teachers – and now, by getting them vaccinated, every time mm-hmm. I see it, uh, the face of someone in one of those teachers' unions, I think, what are they really trying to say? They want to find an angle to close the schools, right? How many yeah. years can we keep our kids out of schools? What are they going to be, zombies?
1: It, it is so horrendous. And um, you're right. The focus should be on the teachers. But remember, it was a month or no two or three months ago, you'll recall, when... Um, uh, when we found out the teachers union was influencing some of the guidance given by the CDC and i suspect that's still going on because if i'm a parent of a 3 year old i'm not vaccinating my 3 year old i'm not and not only that i don't want my 3 year old wearing a i don't want my 6 year old wearing a mask to school enough is enough they they're not they're not in threat of getting very much of anything i mean i've heard these these pediatricians these experts even a year ago when this, uh, when this virus was in, uh, was in full pandemic mode, pediatricians were saying, I'd send my kid to school, and, th- and they're right.
3: Well, that was already true, Mark, around the world at the time that we were closing our schools studies from all over the world showed that schools should be open. And you're absolutely right about something else you just said. The really young children are not getting COVID at all. Or, or, and, they're, and they're barely spreading it. Very, very rare. And that's not, that, that's not being mentioned. And the most important thing of all, you're not going to hear this from the government. You know when kids actually spread COVID? When they're outside of school, when they're in the mm-hmm. community, when they're in your home. I mean, that's so keep them home, and then they'll spread COVID. So the, so it never made any sense to close the schools. It makes no sense now with all the vaccine availability. They can't use the same argument, protect the teachers. So now they're shifting as, oh, the Delta variant is shifting to younger people. Yeah, but not to two-year-olds. And, again, the place we have to start is we cannot keep these schools closed another year. It's horrendous amount of damage being done already. Can I very, carry very... you
1: over, uh, doctor, for a few minutes? You bet. Because my question to you is going to be, we've looked at what's going on with Britain with this Delta variant. It's very interesting what's happened. And that's a very, very big sample over there. I think there's 70-some million people in that country. We'll be right back.
0: This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in
1: at 877-381-3811. Dr. Mark Siegel, we have some information in Britain because this this uh, Delta variant, as they call it, that hit them earlier. Isn't that correct? Right? There? Anybody? Here. Dr. Siegel, are you still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Unfortunately, we can't hear you, so we'll give it a shot. We're going to put them on hold and give it a shot. All right, Mr. Producer, let's take a call. Who do we have? wilkes North Carolina. Amanda, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. What's up? Um,
3: Well, I'm calling because you had mentioned earlier that, you know, some people say we don't have a right not to be vaccinated. That's looking at it all. Completely backwards, because actually, in the Tenth Amendment, we do (laughs) Um, anything that is not specifically.
1: I think you mean the Ninth Amendment.
3: Constitution for the federal government.
1: No, no, but I think you mean the Ninth Amendment, which deals with the individual, not the Tenth Amendment, which deals with states.
2: Um, Correct. Well, because it says to the states and to the people.
1: Yeah, but it's the Ninth Amendment that expresses the substance of the Declaration of Independence. All right, we'll be be right back with you. We have uh, Dr. Siegel back. Yes, Dr. Siegel, so we have Britain as an example, don't we?
3: Absolutely. Britain was having the same problem that we're having now about a month earlier, and they locked down, they shut down, they're always doing that, and now... The numbers are dropping off the cliff. It's way lower now. The numbers are dramatically diminished, and everything's opening back up. So they went through an unnecessary lockdown, of course. And they'll, I'm sure they'll congratulate themselves, but it's not what happened. It's that, the, it's that as they used to say earlier in the pandemic, that the variant has burned itself out in Britain. And I think we have that to look forward to, to in about a month. In the meantime, we're dealing with the vast majority of mild cases thousands of cases very 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 few deaths or severe cases and we're head, we're going to head in that direction too in about, in about a month
1: but that's the point it burned itself out pretty quickly right
3: yeah we right when they said it wouldn't it did and the reason is because you know the virus looks for effect for susceptible hosts it runs out of options it's it's like you know the, the virus goes to vegas it looks mm-hmm. for it looks for a slot machine. It looks for its magic number. It can't get it all the time. It runs out of available hosts. Of course, the more you get vaccinated, the more you decrease its options. But also getting infected. By the way, have you noticed that the government never talks about natural immunity? You know, about how... it's
1: funny you jumped on. I was just about to ask you that. There's a lo- there's millions of people now of natural immunity, right?
3: Probably a hundred million, and the number is growing by the day with the Delta variant, mild cases. I mean. Mostly mild cases, but yeah, the, the, natural immunity has to be figured into this equation. That's the only way to on, to broker this from an honest point of view. Did I say the word honest?
1: But you know That's what, doctor, it's, it's never brought up the natural immunity. People who've had this, they even say they should get you know vaccinated to I mean, here's the problem: if you want to ring out every single little squirt here, you're missing the big picture. Don't keep attacking the people who've had the vaccine. Don't t- attack the people who have natural immunity. It, this is why I think people are very are confused by this, to be honest and with you.
3: And let's play this out in the workplace. Can you imagine someone that just had COVID that has monoclonal antibodies that I'm saying you can't get a vaccine yet? They go to work. They're saying, we're sorry, we need your vaccine card. How about somebody that I give one shot to after they had COVID, want them to go to work? They say, we're sorry, we need your vaccine card. It has to be two shots. What about somebody who had a severe reaction to the first vaccine? I tell them, my patient, please, I, I don't think you should have the second vaccine. We're sorry, you can't go to work. This is where we're going, isn't it, Mark?
1: It is, and you know, it's interesting. Brett Baer asked the uh, CDC director, okay, let's say somebody goes in and they want to get another shot. Can you take a shot of a vaccine that wasn't the one you used initially? Well, we're still studying that. So they're not even sure. I'm
3: studying that in the U.K., and the answer is going to be yes, by the way. I interviewed her, too. She, she's very cautious. She, she doesn't want to say something, and then, but it, it is absolutely the case that you can take one shot and then a different shot. That's for sure going to be an option, and we need to emphasize that kind of flexibility. Or the idea that if you get over COVID and I give you one shot of a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine, you have 10 times the amount of antibodies you need. That's really important. But again, the government is not accounting for that at all.
1: Why hasn't uh, Joe Biden even nominated anybody to be head of the FTA yet? Isn't this bizarre?
3: Well, yeah, it, because it's, a, it's going to be a political pointe. Um, It is. And the FDA, by the way, is taking way too long to give us a licensure on this vaccine. That would help a lot. They have 160 million people vaccinated. Isn't that enough?
1: That's because they don't have a leader. You need a leader there to push things through. You had Trump to push through these vaccines or we'd still be waiting on them. Seriously.
3: I actually thought that Biden was going to say yesterday Let's thank President Trump for the, for, the, for the vaccine, for the entire vaccine program. But he couldn't bring himself to Mm-mm. say it, could he? He said Republican administration. He kind of, he kind of coughed that out, but he couldn't say the pres- President Trump's name.
1: And yet they hold on to this with dear life, these vaccines that were developed during his presidency. Are they developing other vaccines? Do we know? I guess they are, right? I don't know.
3: Yeah, there's another one coming out that's actually made in insects called Novavax that looks quite good. There's going, to be, there's going to be a large arsenal when this is done, and people might be more inclined to take the Novavax who are nervous now because that's been around even longer. That vaccine is very similar to the shingles vaccine. So we're getting more and more options on the table here, and they're continuing the research. But I'm, I'm one that's quite impressed with, with, the, you know, with the Pfizer and the Moderna. And You better believe if Mark Levin took it, it better be good.
1: I took the J.J. one.
3: That's also excellent, by the, the
1: way. The one shot. I didn't have any problems whatsoever. Actually, yeah, uh, was... I, actually, I, I, I lost some weight. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
3: you, you're the, you, you look great it, on it TV. Didn't, it so didn't far.
1: bother me. It didn't bother me. I went in there. My wife went in there. Look, I've been vaccinated for other things. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't even know what that means. But there are certain circumstances, you well know, where people have certain maladies, where they just can't be sure about it, or people have you just had natural immunity. If I had natural immunity, I wouldn't go in and say, well, can you give me a hit with the vaccine? I don't need it.
3: You know, I want to say something else that I almost forgot, which is people have emotions attached to these decisions, don't they? Emotions mm-hmm. about their the fear of their health and their family. And so the idea of countering that emotion with some kind of Better better than you on high, bully, mm-hmm. shaming you, misinformation, all of that just completely backfires. If you want to counter emotion, do it with emotion. Do it with an emo- emotion about how you feel about it.
1: Let me ask you a question. I've never asked you this. You are, to me, one of the most impressive medical doctors on TV who gives advice. It's always wise. It's sound. It's measured. It's temperate. A lot smarter than Fauci in this regard, I'm just being honest, who, who just swings wildly. What is your background exactly? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to medical school and so forth? I've never well, asked
3: you. I, I went to Buffalo, to SUNY Buffalo Medical School. I did all of my training at NYU, New York University. I've been there for years, but right after 9-11, I noticed that there was a lot of health scares going on so i made it my study of of contagions of emerging contagions and pandemics and the public reaction and fear of pandemics and I, I studied bird flu and i studied influenza and then and then i studied again you know all of the outbreaks and i started to meet the people in the country who are the true experts and you know a number of them are animal researchers that m- might not surprise you not just human researchers and mm-hmm. i and i got to know all of them and i became part of the network so that when this occurred I, w- I was ready for it from a point of view of my knowledge base, and, and 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 what I always tried to do, Mark, and trying to do now, is put it in perspective of what people can understand, and not confuse them, but also not hype everything. Right. How does it help to hype? Hype never makes makes it t- to the finish line, does it?
1: No, but uh, I'm just saying not not to. I'm I'm just saying you have a unique ability to take a complicated subject, explain it in plain English, and not as I say, swing wildly. And, and I think this is the problem with Fauci. He's been swinging wildly. He's not, you talked about the CDC director. I'm no great fan of hers. I don't know anything about her, but she seems much more temperate, much more cautious about what she says. Uh, I don't endorse everything she says because I'm not, you know, that's not my field. But I watch Fauci and I say, there's a guy who's political. He's a guy who, who, has, who has politicized his office. And I'm not the only one who thinks that way, doctor.
3: He's also very dogmatic. He doesn't let go of ideas and not as flexible as she is. And one of the ideas he didn't let go of and and cost us dearly is lockdowns. And lockdowns are tied to 1918 flu ideas. It's St. Louis in 1918 that we have to thank for this who said, coming down the road is a big influenza from Boston, I'm going to lock down. So the streetcars were locked down. Well, how does that help us, that streetcars were locked down? Mm-hmm. And It was completely, com- and bowling alleys, completely different virus than this one. And that's why lockdowns have not only not worked, but cost us very, very dearly.
1: All right, Dr. Mark Siegel, I want to thank you very, very much, and have a wonderful weekend, my friend.
3: Great to be on with you, Mark. Thanks very you much. You too.
1: You too. He's very special. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, folks, it's been quite a week of radio. I want to thank all of you. I want to thank oh, so many tremendous patriots. We are blessed to have you in the audience. We are blessed. I will always tell you the truth. I will always shoot straight with you. Rush was right. And I want to thank all of you. This is a big weekend, a big weekend to galvanize, to rally, to acquire a copy of American Marxism, and to start the process of saving the country. Here we go, every week just for you. Folks, the week is officially over. The weekend starts right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffy. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Gigi. Good night, Barney. And good night, all the dogs and cats that are no longer with us. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. We're doing everything we can to save this country. I'll see you on Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern with a big Life, Liberty, and Levin. And this weekend, folks, grab your copies. And I'll see you.